welcome to another episode of Meetings Done Right, uh, which is a series of podcast episodes talking about how to have better meetings in conjunction with TableXI's inclusion deck, uh, which is a deck of cards that you can use in your meetings to help coordinate and improve the communication in your meetings. In this episode, we are talking about the card, which is called Too Much Side Cheddar. That card is played by somebody who is given that role, and they play that card when they think that people are not present in the meeting. Uh, We have a guest with us to help us discuss side chatter. Hopefully, none of us will be checking our phones during the podcast. (laughs) Our guest is Annette Jensen. Annette, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, Ashley and Noel, for inviting me in today. I currently work as a global strategist. More recently, I've taken on organizational development at Wyden. Organization development is about aligning people in the workplace to our business goals. So I work for Wyden. We're a software company based in Madison, Wisconsin, and London, UK. We build digital asset management software. I consider us uh, guardians of digital content and the ambassadors of the story. So that's kind of our tag as far as what we believe in for our culture. I've worked for almost every style of organization. So I've been a retail record store manager, a contractor for state agency. I've worked for a global enterprise company, higher education. I've been a union member. I've worked for small business and family business. So I've got like the span of career for almost every type of business you can work for. I pivoted my career many times, but really the last 20 years has been in technology as a front-end developer, IT, security, management. So that's been my focus. And then more recently, last several years has been expanding our organization globally. Amazing. Annette, I'm so excited that you're on the podcast because I've said for now years that Wyden is always my, it's my just it's one of my favorite companies. I usually joke that it's my second favorite company, second only to the uh, tech company I work for. Uh, and that's been true over a couple of tech companies, actually. So I'm a big fi- fan of the work that you do with digital asset management, as well as building culture. And of course, I love to see a powerhouse in Madison, Wisconsin, which is my home too. Excellent. I'm, I'm grateful that I've uh, had the ability to work with you, Ashley, over the years. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Tell us about being a freedom-centered workplace. That's something that Wyden really prides itself on. Tell us more about that. Well, you know, those three words, right? Freedom-centered workplace is interesting in and of themselves. Even in our own environment, the words freedom-centered workplace confuses people. Uh, The words come from an organization called World Blue. They promote this particular type of culture. And the culture is about removing fear from a person, removing fear from an organization and from the world. Uh, They have leadership programs to grow leaders to create this type of work environment. So Freedom Centered isn't about being free to do whatever you want in the workplace. It's about creating organizational democracy. So Freedom at Work at Widen is about your ability and your freedom to apply your skills and talents within the structure of our corporate ideology, our brand essence, and our strategy while being accountable to yourself, your team, widen, and the world. And it's based on 10 principles of democracy. So for us, it's about shifting behaviors, uh, the way people think and kind of ridding employees of that baggage that has come from other organizations that have been dysfunctional. So something that we talk about is, let me give you an example, is our power to the edge that we currently are working on within 
widen. And this structure gives these freedoms that we want 80% of the decisions to come from the employees at the edge of the organization. They make the decision. 10% might come from middle management because it could have legal implications, right? So some of those decisions have to stay there. And some, maybe 10% come from the executive team because it's you know, the path forward in regards to the company. Sure. It's a really interesting way to get people to work differently. And we get comments all the time of, oh, I've never worked in an organization like this. And it takes some people some time to acclimate to that. Incredible. All right. So uh, let's talk about, I guess that that implies, uh, if there's a lot of decision-making going on, that implies a lot of meetings. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. And so with respect to what we're, we're talking about, you know, with the, the card uh, that's the focus of this episode. What are some of the problems that you have when you have side chatter, when people aren't present in meetings? What sort of difficulties does that cause? It's really interesting. That this is so timely that I'm chatting with you on this topic today. We actually have just recently gone through a meeting su- success project, just launched it. You're kidding. No, this is amazing. Uh, I'm going to give you some facts and figures that I brought with me just for this, because I think you might be a little amazed. So at Wyden, we collectively spend more than 46,000 hours in meetings annually, which <laughs> translated to almost $2.5 million per year. Oh my I mean, goodness. that seems like a lot. Yeah. 42% of our meetings do not start on time. 34% of our meetings do not end on time. Ooh. 35% of our meetings are of neutral value to the attendees. So conservatively... Like example, 40% of the time is spent in meetings and they're not effectively used. That's translating to a million dollars a year, which has been crazy, right? So, yeah. So, Noel, ask me your question again now. (laughs) (laughs) So now, what what are some of the costs of people not paying attention or not being present (laughs) or having side chatter? A whole lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, a whole lot of money. Uh, The other thing is something we've been working on as well is everyone is taking a pledge at Widen. They're actually going through a slide deck, understanding what is expected of them in meetings and signing off. And it's being held in in our system that you've signed off on this meeting project that you're going to do certain things with your meetings. We're just finding people aren't paying attention. And so we're wasting time even after that meeting to go back and catch somebody up because they were busy doing something else on their computer during that meeting. Uh, So there's a lot of um, churn that occurs. Not all the time. I don't want to make this sound as a bad thing, but I'm thinking there's a whole lot of people out there that connect with that, that particular statement. I mean, one thing I found is uh, that not paying attention in meetings tends to snowball. And as people stop paying attention, other people feel like they can stop paying attention too. And I remember very much uh, uh, you know, a number of years ago, I was at a company where we had a lot of check-in meetings and people would spend large chunks of their day in these check-in meetings where most of the meeting was not about them. It was just being information being passed to their common manager. And so people would not pay attention um, but every time somebody had a question of somebody else in the room, we had a backup five minutes because the person was invariably not paying attention. And so you just had this cascade of time being lost, mm. starting with the meeting maybe not being necessary in the first place and then being run sort of poorly. So what kinds of things can you do to encourage people to be more attentive or in the moment when you're in a meeting? Like, Yeah, actually, we've changed meeting times. So we're shortening. uh, And actually, we use Google Calendar to shorten our time 
of our meetings. So no longer do we have 30 or 60 minute meetings. We have 15 or 25 minute meetings or 50 minute meetings if needed. But that really shortens that time. And hmm. you have to focus, right? Because you know you're going to be out of there a lot quicker than you were before. The other thing we started as part of the pilot to create better focus is put responsibility back on the facilitator of the meeting. I would walk in and I was part of the pilot and I would say, okay, I'm doing this pilot for better meetings. That means I have to leave at this time. So if there's something that occurs after this time, like the last 10 minutes or we run over, right? They're responsible to get that information to me. So do you really think they want to go through the extra work of now pushing information to me because they've run over on that meeting time. That actually has created a better focus, right? They know we're going to get up and walk out. They better get done and they better create that focus through that meeting so we finish. Yep. It's, it's been helpful. That has been a good trick, so to speak, or a good way to encourage focus. That's really innovative. I can't wait to send you the cards, which at the time of this taping are at the printers. And I can't wait to gift them to you so that uh, you you can give us some feedback on how they're working in an environment that's so focused on doing meetings better or meetings done right. Waka, waka, waka. (laughs) (laughs) One of the issues with this kind of lack of focus or side chatter is that it breaks the focus of the meeting. And I think also in a remote context, it can be very, very hard for a remote person to follow a meeting if people have started to break off into side conversations. Yes. So what do you do as a facilitator in that case? Is it, what do you think is the best way to call people's attention to the fact that they're distracting from the meeting or, or to pull them back in? We use Zoom for all our meetings, Noel, which has worked well, especially with, we have quite a few remote employees around the US as well as our London office. And I think the biggest thing was to get everyone to flip their video on. And that created some accountability there to facilitate. We also used that chat channel in Zoom to get people to say, hey, you know, bring the conversation back or we're off topic. And and people will. uh, That's part of our culture. That's the safeness of Biden is you can do that without being afraid to do that and to just bring somebody back. And, and that happens. It's happened in the past. So that's wonderful. It just takes practice, right? It just takes breaking old habits and then bringing it back. And, and people are quite responsive to that. We also use Zoom. Um, and I actually am a huge fan of Zoom because they have a face smoothing feature that you can just click on. And man, do I look amazing on a Zoom call. I, it takes well, certain, I look like a, I'm so young. I look like a fetus practically. I just adore it. I'll have to try that, actually. Thank you. Yeah, I actually, I think it's so innovative of Zoom because, like, I get distracted if I am not wearing makeup or I feel like I look wonky, especially if I am on a Zoom call with a client. And so it it helps. And I think it just makes everything fuzzy. But isn't that how they used to do old, you know, actresses? They would just put them, put a soft filter on them. So that's the Zoom knows me. We like Zoom as far as communication and meetings, especially with our customers. We always turn our Zoom video on and they don't necessarily do that right away because it's not in in their culture to Mm -hmm. turn the video on for meetings. We find we have such better meetings when we turn that that feature on. And then maybe after a couple meetings, all of a sudden they'll turn their video on. So it's really changing kind of the culture across many organizations by just putting that Zoom meeting on, even if they don't take to it right away, 
we found that they do eventually because they just know that's how Wyden works. And, and I'm going to meet them where they are at the table and they turn their Zoom on. There's sort of an interesting thing I find with video in remote meetings where it feels very uncomfortable at first, that mm-hmm. it kind of feels like everybody is staring at you because it's such a close-up face image. I find that it takes a little getting used to and a little being comfortable with the group that you're in to be okay with having that turned on and not be uncomfortable. Yes, no, that's so true. We have these huge screens up, you know, the big kind that come down from the ceiling. We have two in one big meeting room. And there's nothing like being the first on that Zoom meeting when you're in London and your face comes up fully <laughs> on those two screens. Uh, that you know, um, I remember the first time I had a video meeting. It was years ago, and I was interviewing a candidate, and I spent the entire time so distracted by I mean, it was essentially like looking in a mirror. I wasn't focused on the candidate. I was really focused on like me. And um, of course, now it's years later. I've had. I don't know, hundreds of video calls, maybe many more. And it's not so bad. But I remember I got off that first call and I said to the recruiter who set it up, I have no idea what they said. <laughs> so that's, that's interesting, Ashley, right? We want to encourage better focus in meetings and using Zoom video could actually disconnect people from having a good focus yeah. uh, because they're worried about those things. Right. It becomes tricky because, you know, one of the classic ways to to encourage focus in meetings is to tell people like laptops down, no technology. But of course, you can't really do that in a remote meeting right. <laughs> right. because without the technology, you, you don't have the meeting. But then you have all of these potentially small issues that can be distracting and, and pull focus from the video image. If somebody's lighting is weird, you know, they're all washed out or something like that. It, it can be distracting. Or just notifications on your laptop. I know in this meeting, I've seen a text message come through, a Slack notification come through. I'm sure in a little bit, I'll get the calendar thing that tells me what's up next. And that's not, I mean, I'm not, I'm purposely not looking at my email. So, right. So I guess it becomes incumbent on the meeting to be so useful and interesting (laughs) that people are compelled to pay attention to it, which I think comes back to like having shorter meetings, having fewer meetings, having an agenda, like everybody knowing why they're there. Yeah. So what can you do if the meeting is just boring? Yeah, that's that's a really great question, right? I think in the context of if it's boring, right, how do you get people talking without sounding like a cheerleader that just will make people shut down even more, right? It's interesting. Sometimes I've just stopped talking. It's not a trick really, but it's just like I just stopped talking and it kind of like that uncomfortable quietness mm-hmm. sometimes gets somebody to speak up just because that creates this like block of no one's talking <laughs> and somebody gets so uncomfortable that they start speaking up. So for me, it's uh, it's a good way to get everyone to participate and be heard, especially introverts, right? Who might not always be wanting to speak up, but if it's uncomfortable long enough, someone will speak up. Oh, that's interesting. I have been in meetings where pretty much everybody is half distracted by their laptop or phone or whatever, and the meeting comes to a complete halt and nobody quite realizes it. <laughs> Because nobody's paying attention and everybody stops talking and nothing happens for a little bit. Yeah. That's a little, that's a little embarrassing. I for sure was the one who, who would have started that in fairness. So totally guilty. Okay. So um, 
Annette, I'm really, I have, for, again, for years been really impressed with Widen's culture. And you were the one who launched the Widen European office in London. What steps did you take to bring Widen's culture to the European headquarters? Well, something I felt was key for both the Madison office and the London office was raising our cultural intelligence level. So it wasn't only about bringing the Madison Widen culture and instilling it into the London office, but it was allowing their culture to impact the Madison office. Mm. So both offices needed to learn to work with each other and it created adjustments in our culture. So for example, anyone who's hired in the UK has to come to Madison for a couple of weeks just to onboard uh, with the Madison office. We're having a lot more people now travel overseas as well to the London office, uh, which is really a great thing to see. Uh, we also had to adjust our terminology so it wasn't so U.S.-centric. We also had all our employees in the U.K. office report up to leaders in the Madison office. We have some people in the office that didn't even have passports at the time. Mm. So raising that cultural intelligence was really important to create some success between the two cultures. And just what naturally occurred from that is more leaders started to hire more people out of the London office instead of having that hire here in Madison. Oh, that's great. It also created this mindfulness of meeting times. So many all team meetings or all company meetings were occurring in the afternoon and those all got moved to the morning. So UK people could be present for those. So I felt that that was pretty significant for us to change. Yeah, absolutely. I went through an exercise that identified what your most productive times of day are. And mine are certainly the morning in the afternoon, I try to purposely plan work that um, doesn't need like an enormous amount of focus for the afternoon. So I wonder if that, and I think I'm not alone in having that sort of style of attention and focus. And so I wonder if that's been affected at all with the change of moving it to the mornings. Absolutely. Just my own personal experience. I was taking meetings at 10 PM uh, in, no. uh, in London. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was just like, okay, that's, I can't do that anymore. And so we'd move it maybe an hour earlier, right? Okay, I can do 9pm, but I'm still wiped out because I'm doing a full day in, in the office. Yeah, And it still didn't really change until we started to hire more people. And I spoke up more about it because at the time it only impacted me. But now when we're impacting a whole office, it's like that had to change. Yeah. And it did. Outstanding. So what is your go-to trick to get meetings to run better? I mentioned it earlier, stop talking. I, I need to stop talking in a meeting, right? Mm. It's not really a trick, but it's, I need to get everyone to participate and be heard. And not everyone wants to speak up, right? Again, especially introverts who might really want to have time to think about what they want to say. Sometimes they need to come back to it. And so how do you get that that participation in the moment. And so sometimes maybe sending out things ahead of time, right? An actual agenda to say, these are the topics that can get people thinking ahead of time. So you're not putting them on the spot during the meeting. I know I've worked for many organizations that haven't been good about putting an agenda out there, mm -hmm. right? You just put a meeting time and a topic. We don't really know what that topic means. Uh, and so that gives you no time to prep, especially again, as an introvert, that's such a huge time waster. Something I read recently is many businesses, especially in the U.S., are set up for extroverts. Yeah. Like the core culture is set up for extroverts. And so I recently read a book called 
Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. It's by Susan Cain. Excellent book. A couple of years ago, Table I did a book club where uh, everybody, almost everybody read it, read that. Yeah. Yep. For exactly, to solve exactly that, that problem yeah. within our culture. Yeah. It, right. How do you give everybody a voice? Because not everyone can just on the fly give you their thoughts. Different people need different ways to process information and be able to bring something forward that could be very critical to your business. So finding a way to get information to people ahead of the meeting so they actually have time to think about some of the things uh, and be ready when we do sit down and chat at that meeting. All right. Uh, another question that we're asking everybody is, what can you tell us about the best meeting or the worst meeting that you've ever been in? I love this question. Uh, I'm actually going to give you two little examples. One small, then I'll give, give you a worst meeting example. So first, I haven't always worked in the best environments. I'll admit that. You can see at the beginning, I gave you this whole slew of almost working in every type of environment. One example of something that's humorous in not really a bad meeting, but we had a pre-meeting for a pre-meeting for a meeting. Oh, no. So, yeah, it actually happened. It was this, the pre-meetings were scheduled to talk about how we were supposed to behave in the meeting. It wasn't even actually meeting on the goals of the meeting. So I'm not sure why we had to be told how to behave, but there you have it. That was <laughs> a quite interesting event that happened. The worst meeting was, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to put this out there and we'll see what happens, but was with a former manager a long time ago. Uh, I had actually been critical and verbal about a particular topic that included actions taken by my manager. And it got back to my manager. It shouldn't have been a surprise because I'd already addressed my concerns with no acknowledgement. Again, a really unhealthy work environment where employees right, would be thrown under the bus by leaders, even if they were not involved in a project. I, I saw it happen several times. So my manager wanted to have a meeting to discuss the topic with my colleagues. I thought, I'm so excited. We finally get to sit down and talk about this. I was prepped, all ready to go. I had all my topics ready. I stepped into the meeting. I realized it was just going to be the two of us. No. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, no. Okay, here we go. I actually can't even remember the topic now. I just remember the feelings that came out of that because the meeting was really about my criticalness and the undertone of telling me to no longer complain. That's how I felt right <gasps> coming out of it. And the meeting proceeded. This is the best part about it is uh, she pulled a waste paper basket and put it up on the table and said that we were going to fake write down the thing I had complained about. So I actually did that, right? I pretended to write on a piece of paper the thing I had complained about. We crumpled it up. Again, fake, real no paper, tossed it into the bucket, the real bucket. And then we physically walked the garbage out to the hallway. No. Yeah, it was shortly after that I moved to a new department where I spent a few more years at the workplace before finally moving on. So it's interesting how events, right, even as small as a two-person meeting can impact how you move forward in life. That's uh, alarming, so Annette. That was quite impactful. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a distressing story. It's, it's <laughs> it is so a distressing terrible. story. It's, it's humorous, though. I, I, I'm meaning it to be a little funny, but... It's so right? horrifying. Holy. <laughs> yeah, just there was a whole lot of bad in all of that. But I think my message was, if you're going to have a meeting and don't make it under the guise of like reprimand or something, right? Make sure the topic matches what you're actually right. having the meeting on. 
and be honest about what you're going to talk about. So that was quite horrifying and slightly funny now as I look back on it. You know, Annette, I um, worked in one of those environments that was so terrible that everybody who left sort of thought of it now as like, boot camp. And and still I credit it for teaching me all sorts of things. And it's really where I paid my dues and cut my teeth. But the environment was so bad that now when we get together to talk about it, people who weren't there are horrified at the things that we are recounting as, you know, hilarious stories. Like, don't you remember that time? Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Like, whoa, that's terrible. I would have quit on the spot. Well, I didn't. I was there for a long time. <laughs> I think it brought us all closer together as a group of colleagues uh, that worked together. It really united us in this way of protecting each other because that's all we had uh, was each other. But it was quite difficult to make sure you protected the people around you because you knew that outside of that, you could get kind of kicked at any moment. Yikes. I'm glad we're both out of that, Annette. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we're all I'm glad we're all out of that situation. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And and thank you for being with us here today to tell us about that. We're glad you were able to join us. Thanks, Annette. Thanks, Noel. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Meetings Done Right podcast. If you would like to learn more about the Inclusion Meeting Cards, order a set of your own, or find out about other episodes of this podcast, go to meetingsdoneright.co. That's meetingsdoneright, all one word, dot co. You can also find out more about this podcast by searching for Meetings Done Right wherever you listen to podcasts. Leaving a review on Apple Podcasts will help people find the show. The Inclusion Meeting Cards and the Meeting Done Right podcast are produced by TableXI. TableXI is one of Inc. Magazine's best workplaces and a top-rated custom software development company on Clutch.co. Learn more about TableXI at TableXI.com. Meetings Done Right is hosted by Ashley Quinto-Powell and Noel Rappin and edited by Mandy Moore. Thanks for listening.